Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, the political difficulties at Stormont, increasing pressure on the education sector. How many times have we heard that before? Apparently... We're also being slow to implement a number of key education policies. Uh, this coming, not from me, but from a top official at the Department of Education, Mr Derek Baker, making those comments in the accounts for the last year. And uh, currently insufficient funding to allow more shared campus schemes to progress. There are many elements of education that seem to be compromised as a result of our st- stagnant government. Let me speak to a man who sometimes is a commentator on the TV, but first and foremost is an acting principal at St John the Baptist in Belfast, Chris Donnelly. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Frustrating for people trying to run a school at any level in Northern Ireland in recent times. It is indeed, Frank. It has been, it has been for quite some time a real challenge. And I think that Derek Baker, I suppose this time a little bit different, uh, you know, he's the most senior person within the Department of Education at the moment, the absence of the Minister. I think what he's doing this time, and, and he's correct to do it, is to highlight the significant financial challenges uh, throughout the system, not just facing the schools. So if you look at the, you know, look at the statement as you referred to it there, Frank, he's talking about strategic consequences. There's an absence, you know, because of the, the financial constraints, at a policy level for the department, they haven't been able to follow through with policies relating to childcare, looked after children, or even in a strategic sense at projects like the shared education campuses that they wanted to roll out. He's also talked about how the Education Authority for the third year in a row, and there's an organisation you know, which has an overarching role supported with schools in the entire system, has had a serious overspend. I think in the last two years it was 19 million and 17 million. This year it's 15 million. And then at the third level, obviously, the front line is the actual schools. And that's where the, you know, it's the schools that are facing the real pinch uh, because schools ultimately are the ones who are, uh, where the children are being educated that are trying to meet their needs. And the budgetary constraints have had real consequences in terms of, really, if you look at the overwhelming majority of, of, of a budget that's spent in the school, it's on wages. Wages for teachers, wages for classroom assistants, wages for clerical staff. So there isn't much other room to cut away uh, if needed when the budgets are tight. So what ends up happening is that we end up having to look at, you know, teachers, residencies or classroom assistants who are who are employed by the school often to try to meet the individual needs of some children or remedial support teachers that you'll have and to work with children who are struggling with their maths or their English or in a pastoral sense, teachers, whether it's freeing up a special needs teacher to work pastorally with children. Those are the first things to go, Frank. But that comes at a cost for our ability to meet the needs of children.
This must be very frustrating for parents of a special child if they feel that that child isn't getting the help he or she deserves. And it must be incredibly difficult for the teacher in the classroom if the assistance isn't available. It is, and I, you know, I think the point that the point that needs to be reiterated is this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for years now, and there's no end in sight. I think that's also what Derek Baker was highlighting. You know, he's talked about you know, in the phrase I think he used was he's highlighting the, the significant financial challenges, but he's also I think it was important that he said this. He says it's been compounded by uh, you know the absence of political direction. I think that there's an admission in there that even if we were to get Stormont back up and running. The same financial challenges are were, 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 we saw them before devolution went, you know, collapsed. They're still going to be there, and where that manifests itself, as you're pointing out, in the school, you know, it's the teacher who's, who's speaking in a frustrated sense to the principal, say, "Can I get any additional support? I have a number of children," and really, it's the bringing the parents and saying, "Listen, we're not able to provide additional support in terms of classroom assistance to support your child." Schools, of course, Frank, are very innovative. And they'll be very creative. We'll try to find ways and means, whether that's relying on the volunteer support of parents or the local community and a lot of schools in my own school community, great fundraising support from parents, but also great support from parents in the local community in terms of providing volunteer support uh, to work who, you know, parents and others who will come in and help in terms of, we'll train them up to help, try and help in terms of supporting children in terms of numeracy and literacy. But those, what I'm getting at there, schools are having to do that now because it's reached that point. It is. It's an unfortunate, it's a sad commentary on the education system that you're depending on volunteers because in some areas there'll be great community spirit and in others they won't. So it's going to be a bit of a lottery as to whether or not children get the support that is needed to allow them to reach the fruition that we'd expect them to to reach. So we can't go down that road of hoping that volunteers are going to come along depending on goodwill or indeed teachers themselves are buying resources out of their own wages and turning up at school on a Monday morning with ink for the printer. Yeah, no, it's an indictment of the system. When you're, when you're, when you're talking in that regard, it, it is an indictment of where we are in terms of our education system. There needs to be the discussion in a broader sense about the, where we are going with our education system, what we can ultimately afford. Uh, but in the short term, we need additional money. And I mean, we've also, we also know within schools for a number of years now, there has been industrial actions. Teachers have reached a point which I fully support where it was related not just pay, but also workload. Uh, where they had said enough was enough. But the, the part of the difficulty with that is the protected nature. The protected nature of that industrial action has meant that, and again, Derek Baker pointed this, it has had consequences in terms of the education training inspector being unable to fulfill inspections within school. And also part of the uh, part of the industrial action has meant there hasn't been in many schools staff meetings on issues because that was part of it. So, you know, all of this gets, you know, you, you get the pressure cooker environment that exists within schools for understandable reasons. But the fact is, Frank, that it hasn't, because it hasn't been resolved, it's just been allowed to continue to fester and fester. And what Derek Baker is signaling here is that there, there's there's no really additional money being promised just over the horizon that at a school level we're going to have to try to cope with this. We have two parties who could 
help resolve this, two parties as opposed to the other political parties, and they don't seem to have the keenness. They'll come up with excuses as to why they're not moving forward. Will they, will they ever listen to this long line of people who speak, whether it's Derek Baker speaking about education through to a spokesperson on health, someone speaking about drugs, other people speaking about social issues. Do, do you think the politicians are prepared to listen? Well, I think politicians have been, Frank, and I know that you, you prefaced my uh, contribution by saying I do sometimes speak on, on, on the politi- political commentator as well. So you'll forgive me, i just be honest here. I think that we have, we have a deal. We had the outline of a deal that happened a couple of Februarys ago. Uh, I think that that time the DUP walked away from it. We have what's going through Westminster at the moment. A number of the outstanding issues with the British MPs seem to have decided they're going to resolve those issues, which is probably going to lead us back to that Irish Language Act, which, again, must, was sitting on a table that the DUP walked away. I think that sooner or later we're going to come around to exactly the same point. Uh, a deal is going to be made on that. But you see, when that happens, Frank, we're still going to be faced in our education system with the same problems. And I think that is a significant point that Derek Baker is making, that... You know, yes, there are certain strategic decisions in terms of public appointments that a minister, and he's expressing his frustration that there's no minister to do that or to give the go-ahead with implementing perhaps a number of new policies. But the financial constraints were already facing schools, were already facing the system, uh, the education system, when Stormont collapsed. We're going to need to see when it comes back. And it will be a massive challenge for DUP Sinn Féin, but also for the other parties, the executive, how much of a priority are they going to make education and at what cost to other strategic priorities they might have within a future executive? You, you don't see any criticism within Sinn Féin's approach to this. Like, chances are Sinn Féin aren't going to go back into any executive between now and the 21st of October, for example, because it suits them not to. No, and I can't see, I can't see that uh, if you were to ask me even before that vote, that significant vote that happened in Westminster, I didn't see there being any likelihood of an executive in the, in the forthcoming months. It doesn't seem to be. I think it's. Uh, I think the most significant factor is Brexit, but also the leverage that the DUP have at Westminster. And in a strategic sense, I think they're prioritising that where they can make the most, uh, where I think they believe they can wield the most influence and extract concessions to suit their own needs. And that's coming at a cost of the ability of the other parties to get a deal done here. So I think that look, all parties have have issues and, and you know, Sinn Féin, I suppose, would have been the party that would have held the education ministry for the longest period of time. Obviously, the DUP took it for the, for, for the uh, short life of the fresh start administration uh, that happened just prior to the collapse of Stormont. But I think that, you know, we're going to see, and I think that this is the main point that Derek Baker is making, that if we get Stormont back up and running, Frank, they're still going to be mad. And I suppose Sinn Féin and the DUP, they are the two largest parties. At that moment, when they do agree a future executive, they're going to face uh, the same challenge. They're going to face the same uh, difficulties. And are they going to prioritize education that we could start to meet some of these issues? And it's going to come at a cost towards other priorities that they might have. And many critics will say that Sinn Féin prioritized the Irish Language Act above education generally and above all the other issues. Well, I can't see. I think if you saw, if you recall, and we're going back a while now, but when Stormont collapsed, it was initially over the RHI crisis. We're waiting to see the uh, the report of that. It should also be coming out in the next the next few months. 
uh, we had the issue of same-sex marriage. I think in particular, I think what's significant at the moment is that the Westminster MPs have taken that issue out of the hands. I would to see what happens in the House of Lords, of course, Frank, but we'll wait and see uh, if that issue gets resolved and it leaves the, the Irish languages Act issue, and you're you're making you're making a valid point that there are some people who who will make who will say that um, Sinn Féin should not be prioritising that. But I think that you know we, we we know that there are issues in the society. The reason we have a power sharing executive is because of the the nature of the society and how um, <clears throat> symbolism and identity is so important. And the Irish Language Act was something that was agreed at St Andrews, which is well over a decade ago. And if we're going to make power sharing work, we can't be having a situation where where, where deals that are agreed, well, you know, ten plus years ago are reneged upon. That's not the basis upon which a rights-based society is going to be developed. And I think, obviously, you know, if, if I put my education hat on again, uh, you know, at, at a school level, we have faced these difficulties, the challenges financially for a number of years now. It's only getting worse, and I think parents. Uh, across the board, nine schools are seeing that they're seeing that there's uh, less provision being provided to schools in terms of classroom assistance support for children. They're saying it's very difficult for schools now to have, for instance, special needs teachers out full time. Uh, it's very difficult for schools then to provide academically and pastorally frank for children in the way that we want to. And therefore, schools are having to be more innovative in terms of reaching out. Schools are making a lot of fundraising appeals towards parents, which which the response from parents and local communities is phenomenal, by the way. But the difficulty is, and you, you, and, you, and you raised it earlier, that's no way to run an education system. Chris, appreciate your input this morning. Uh, thank you very much. A lot of people will think you're on a very long holiday, but acting principals don't really get a, a very long holiday. I'll say that before you have to say it in your own defence. Well, thanks very much. I do. I am off at the moment, uh, but I have been in for the last couple of weeks, and I will be back in tomorrow. All in right. School. It, because because in schools, as you know. Uh, there are certain decisions relating to issues like this. You know, the financial bu- budgetary preparations for the school, they get made at, over the summer to, to try to take forward the school in a strategic manner uh, for the year going forward. You are busy, like a lot of head teachers, all head teachers, acting heads and VPs, uh, not throughout the entire summer, but uh, people do have the impression that there's like a seven or eight week holiday run and every teacher hangs up, whatever a teacher hangs up for the entire seven or eight weeks. It's not actually like that at all. Uh, Chris, uh, thank you. 02890-3105. This is the U105 phone in. Good morning. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 